listening to the Soggy Bottom Girls podcast, exploring all things on the Great British Baking Show with your hosts, Alison Roche and Lisa Vukmirovic. Hey, I'm Alison. And I'm Lisa. And we're the Soggy Bottom Girls. Lisa, watch your cock. Have a banana. Oh it's my Victorian God. week. What the hell? I have to start with that. I wrote that down. What does it mean, Allison? What does it mean? All these Britishisms. I need to know more. It's week seven of Victorian week. Uh, the season is the third one. Season three, week seven. Watch your cock. Have a banana. Those people are so weird and I can't get enough. I know, I know, <laughs> and they never, they never really uh, elaborated past that as to what the heck. That well, would even what I think is mean. that everybody who's watching in the UK just must know what they're talking about. Meanwhile, <laughs> the rest of us are just here, like you can say anything you want, and we'll just think it's cute <laughs> because we're Anglophiles. I did love that moment. Mel is so funny too. Oh me. my gosh, she's the best. Um, before we get into that episode i have a few show notes a little a few addendums to our last podcast um, <laughs> did we make <laughs> did we make a mistake did we misspeak <laughs> in some way well first thing we did talk about sultanas briefly do you remember mm-hmm. that yes and i was asking what those were and i forget if we if we cleared that up those are just green seedless grapes also called golden raisins I use so golden raisins all the time, and I love them. They're nice in a salad. Uh, I hate raisins. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> Don't put the sultanas in your stuff. That's weird. I always thought it was some kind of like, I always likened it to kind of a current when I thought yes, about it. You know? Me too. Me as well. Um, the, other thing we talk, the other thing we talked about was uh, squid ink and coloring yes. things black which you insisted you would never do, but you could do it if you just went on Amazon and looked up the pages and pages and pages and pages of squid ink or cuttlefish ink that you can purchase for home baking. Is it powdered or is it like liquid? I think there's both options. There were literal pages. And did anyone explain to you how it is extracted? I didn't want to get into that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like don't stuff. Want to think about milking, milking, inking the squid. But I know, I know. people. You know that that whole species of of animal is supposed to be really smart. Like the poor cephalopods. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, yes, that's what I'm saying. Uh, a lot of the ink options were actual cuttlefish ink which is also a cephalopod that I had to look up what it looked like because I had no idea mm-hmm. it kind of re- resembled a big shrimp I thought but okay so you can purchase cuttlefish ink if you feel so inclined to color a bread or <laughs> a filling of a volavant I think that which is what Ian used and it was very distasteful looking but did you take yeah. note of the prices of the squid ink I want to say it was all between ten to twenty dollars, depending on how many ounces. Okay, it wasn't cheap. Do you feel like it adds flavor? That is what I would like to know. Okay, me too. Yeah, yeah, that would be a good question. Someone someone email us and let us know if you've been if you've been uh, cooking with squid ink. I'm very interested. 
I'm not going to do it, but <laughs> I'm interested to know what it turned out like for you. It feels to me, and I have no idea, this is my completely uneducated, unyet Googled search about squid ink feels like an area, it almost feels like a delicacy from another part of the world that I'm just not not interested in and wonder what the animal you know, impact is, you know, sure. it just feels a little icky to me. But. And especially, you know, I don't want to upset anybody, if, but if it's just for color. Right. Right. Really? Did you need to make that black? I mean, you know, <laughs> there, is, there is black food coloring, right? <laughs> I I would assume, but I digress. Shall we go back to Victorian week, darling? <laughs> we should. The signature okay. bake hand raised game pie. Yep. I know Very you make Victorian. this every Sunday, but <laughs> Can you educate me? Ugh. I, you know what is? Uh, here's another question for Google. somebody other than us, probably Google. Purchasing pheasants, purchasing wild boar, pigeon. all of these things. Pigeon must be readily available there, obviously. Well, right? you know somebody who isn't purchasing stuff? Who? Ian, he's roadkill. Well, <laughs> Wasn't that interesting? That yeah. kind of like went under. They just let that stand alone. No one really questioned. He's him. like, if I see something that looks nice on the side of the road, I pick it up. I'm not going to waste that. I know. I know. Would you ever? No, girl. Would you ever? No, girl. I would not do it. No way. And I am, if anybody knows me, they know I'm probably the world's cheapest person of my age. I think all the people from the depression are almost all passed away, but I have imprinted uh depression era frugality within me because i was partially <laughs> raised by my grandma who was the world's cheapest person i do everything that she does and i don't think i would do that honestly i um i have to sadly report this is kind of off the subject and kind of not off the subject my gerbil died yesterday oh my, i know no. Right, my classroom gerbil named Bear. He was on his last legs, and he was really old. He was like four, and that's old for a gerbil. But he was living here because my classroom, you know, is not a good place for him right now. And um, he died, and I couldn't even. I mean, I looked at him, but I couldn't like take a plastic bag and pick him up. Dan had to do that. So mm-hmm. when it comes to dead animals, I'm just gonna go ahead and let somebody else handle that. No well, matter how I, much good meat would have been <laughs> the ugh. roadkill, <laughs> not the gerbil. I am frugal as well. And I love, you know, the reduce, reuse, recycle stuff. But around here, there's plenty of bald eagles. They'll find the roadkill and clean and it you up. You know, how many deer have you hit in your life, Allison? Wait, wait. No. How many deer have you hit in the last year? In the last year, I've hit four... In the last year and a half, I've hit six. Okay, people, come on. My friend from Wisconsin has hit <laughs> six deer in the past and by the year way, and a half. They always disappear. And it's not the DNR coming to pick them up. They always disappear. They're always on routes that I take and they're just gone. So there's plenty of Great. You know, if somebody's using that meat, yeah, hey, yeah. that's fantastic. Go ahead. Yes, Go ahead agreed. and do it. But agreed. if you if you are so cheap and you haven't taken those deer home, you know, that's saying something. I do know a grocery store that where you can purchase rabbit um, near me, and I've thought about it, but then I thought, why? 
I have tasted rabbit because a, a restaurant I used to work at served it. It was good. Oh, really? What's it? Chicken. Tastes like chicken, like they say. Tastes like chicken? Mm-hmm, it was good. Well, if it tastes like chicken, I'll just buy chicken. But yeah, no kidding. Yeah. So to me, a lot of those ingredients were felt exotic because it's just pheasant as well. Yeah, mm-hmm. pigeon wild boar. Uh, yeah, I don't know. A lot of people around here do eat the venison. Do you like venison? Um, I can't really speak to it. It's been a long time since I've had it. If someone said, hey, Lisa, I shot a deer. Do you want to have some venison steaks for free? I'd probably take them just Hmm. because it's supposed to be real lean. And, you know, we hardly eat any red meat around here. So Dan would probably like it. (laughs) I don't eat any red meat, but a friend of ours literally just gave us uh some venison steaks yesterday and I thought great are they <laughs> like frozen? A, bur- a burden not a gift <laughs> would you yes. please make a meat pie please <laughs> make a meat pie Allison you know my husband who is a huge meat eater probably would like it actually maybe I should maybe that is a good thing to do because he doesn't particularly care for steaks if I ever prepare venison for him it's say cut in with in chili with beef or something mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I will go ahead. If you want to do that pie, you go ahead and um, use uh, store-bought pastry if you want to. Thanks. <laughs> I, I wish I had a... You have I my wish, permission. I wish I had a friend named Sheila to borrow an antique tin from, though. That would be right? more of the problem. That would be fantastic. <laughs> Those tins were cool. Yeah, they were. And I have another digression. Sorry, I have lots to talk about this week. Absolutely. I loved, I love the molds that they use and the way that they're kind of clipped on the ends. It looked like most of the bakers had the same mold, right, to use? Um, yeah, Nadia kind did of. A, Nadia did a round one. Yeah, Nadia did a round one. Mm-hmm. But I think everybody else, except for Matt, using the antique tin, um, did that almost teardrop shape. Yeah. Tin with the clamps on it, which also matches the baking pans they do cakes in, right? Do you know what I'm talking about? And they, they'll they like, use a like large... Like a spring form pan? Is that what you mean? A spring form pan? No. The bottom comes you, out and you take the outside off? I mean, maybe the bottom comes out. They use... In cakes, large, square, or rectangle pans that they can section yes, off. Yes, I've seen those. Those are in. fantastic. I want one. They very much interest me because I wanted to ask you, as the experienced baker that you are, when I grew up baking, my mom taught me to put water in a piece of, in a part of the pan that wasn't being used. For instance, cupcakes. Yes. Fill the rest of the tin with water and then bake them so that it bakes evenly. Have you noticed that the bakers on the Great British Baking Show use those sectioned off cake things and mm-hmm. they're completely empty? And I wondered if you'd ever noticed that or ever had a thought. No, I, no, definitely. I've noticed that they're empty. I would never put water in there. Um, a cupcake thing would be different because it's completely separate. The divot in it is completely separate from the others. I'm sure it would leak. You is know, that what you think it is? Because yeah. it's completely separate. There's a need to do that, but because um, it's. Yeah. I mean, I do sometimes make, um, make cupcakes and don't fill up all of them. It's not a huge deal, but uh, the whole, that, that pan thing that they're using, I think it would increase the baking time 
if you put something in those other sections that wasn't part of your cake and like in the, in the uh, technical where they're really, really strapped for time, you know, with the, that fruit cake, that would have been very counter um, intuitive, at least in my opinion, maybe, I mean, I obviously I've never tried a pan like that, but in theory, um, I think it would just add to your baking time. Now that you explain that a little bit, I, I'm visualizing it. And like, yeah, it would add a lot of baking time, of mm-hmm. course. Because huh. you have to heat up that whatever. Right, you're touching it on other two sides. Yep. Interesting. Yeah. Sorry for that off street. I just. <laughs> no, I think <laughs> it's. Thinking I think about it's, that. I think it's a fantastic question. And I would like to know what that kind of pan is called because I think it'd be neat to have one. Yeah, I agree. Look it up. Show notes next week. All right. Signature bake was a hand raised game pie. And they asked for an intricate, ornate design and wanted very thin pastry from hot water crust. Um, anybody stand out to you? Did anybody's look good to you or sound good to you? Um, you know, I do. They said that Nadia's was too spicy, like all the meat was covered up in spice. But to me, that kind of, it seemed the most, the most taste. The tastiest one, I guess. I don't have any good adjectives today. But everybody else, you know, you think of like all that meat packed in there and the jelly or whatever. And it doesn't seem like it'd be very flavorful outside of what venison tastes like or what pigeon tastes like. I like to have some flavor if I'm going to eat meat, which isn't very often. I would like to like it to have some flavor. And Nadia's just seemed, it all those spices, it seemed kind of good to me. I don't know. What do you think? Well, Nadia's is made up of pheasant, venison, and duck. And uh, I I have mixed feelings about cassia spark or cinnamon, as we know it. Right. Um, I, <laughs> I, uh, I get a little nervous about cinnamon in... Savory. Savory, mm-hmm. yes. But that's a very personal, uh, from a very picky eater. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, you, know, you are right. But I have wanted to try duck because, you know, Aldi sometimes has duck. Yep. So I I do want to try that sometime. Um, Tamal did meat fried in a spice mix with rabbit, pigeon, and venison. He got the handshake, didn't he? he? But he also used minced lamb. Yes. Um, and it wasn't too spicy and it was most attractive and he did he got a handshake they said that that having that ground up meat in there which is what we would call it the minced helped hold everything together and i'm like why didn't everybody do that you know those giant pieces of chunky meat to me that would just fall apart that having that you know if it was ground beef or ground turkey ground chicken would give it that nice you know held together right want right a little glue in between Mm -hmm. Mm mm-hmm um, let's see. Paul used venison, pigeon, and wild boar, which I guess it was a wild game challenge. I was like, what's the what's the advantage? I've always heard that boars have more testosterone or hormonal kind of flavors to their meat that aren't always necessarily would be like gamey. Pleasant. Yeah, yeah, yeah gamey. I don't um, know. They were critical of his decoration. I liked when he was describing what he was going to do. And he's like, uh, sorry to disappoint when they had no reaction to, how are you going to decorate this pie? I'm going to just put <laughs> some stuff on the sides. Oh, yeah. His pastry was 
a little too thick. Yes. Uh, Ian, I thought this was interesting that he decides to make his own jelly <laughs> and opens up a pot of boiling, uh, tr- what do they call them? Trotters. Oh God. Gross. <laughs> I know. I know. And then Mary just digs right in there. Like, mm, let's taste that jelly. Mm-hmm. I, um, my husband and I purchased a half a hog once and there was a lot of lard and I rendered the lard and there's a crock pot method you can do and it stunk so, so, so bad rendering that lard out. And the finished lard was like good lard. I mean, I tried to use it, but I ended up throwing away my crock pot because it just. Oh, no. Yeah, the smell. It's really off putting. You so that. A crock pot is a dirty shame. I have the same crock pot <laughs> from when I got married 25 years ago. That baby works like a charm. Hey, that was a crock pot from when I got married 25 years ago, too. Oh, so it's okay. sad. It's okay. I wonder how you could have gotten that stink out. You know, when I cook down bones, this is, I don't know if this is relevant to what we're talking about. Like yeah. I like to make bone broth because it's supposed to be good for you. So whenever I have a chicken and I want to do it in my instant pot, um, I use my garage or if it's, if it's summer or spring, I do it on my porch, just out on the deck, because there's a plug out there. Oh, yeah. When it releases, it is not a good smell. Yeah. It's very yeah. unpleasant, that cooking of bones. Um, it doesn't really stick in the broth, in my opinion. But um, that's just a tip for me. Like, if you're cooking something like that, do it outside and then, mm-hmm. you know, let, let that smell kind of dissipate out of there. So at least it won't stink up your house. Now, could you make a jelly from chicken bones or do they have to be more I have never made a jelly but I will say when I make a really good bone broth and you you chill it it's it's like a loose jello like (laughs) aspic as they would would have said you know from uh Julie and Julia but (laughs) anyway we better move on or we're gonna we're gonna run out of time girl because we have got to talk about the tennis cake we have to talk about it because I'm just appalled at the tennis cake. Let's just wrap up the uh, signature by saying that Tamal was definitely the standout with his mm-hmm. handshake. And I don't know that they loved anybody else's. I think that they were just fine. Yeah. Yeah. So Agreed. who doesn't want to make an 1890s tennis cake? That's fruit cake with Royal icing. Cause it sounds absolutely terrible. It sounds terrible. And when, you know, they go to the side and Paul and Mary talk and he's like, what were you thinking? <laughs> what were you thinking? This is ridiculous. And he starts naming off all the places where things can go wrong. Yeah, absolutely. It just, and it also just seems like, it just seems not, not good. I, the way they had to lay, just set a layer of marzipan on top and it just peels right off. I, Thought, what is this adding? I guess it's just the decorative element on the top. And they never um, really said, like, we put a tennis court on top because Queen Victoria liked to play tennis. Or, you know what I mean? Something like that. Why don't they explain why a tennis cake is a tennis cake? Or did I miss it? I feel like I've watched this four times and I still don't know. I don't recall hearing an explanation for the actual tennis court decor, but I thought that it was so fiddly and so... You know, the criticism for 
your net I mean, has a net that fell over. <laughs> Paul's like, a ball could get through that net. I'm like, come on. Yeah. yeah come on. Yeah. You can do better than that. <laughs> of course, they loved highlighting that Matt baked his icing and (laughs) was yellow (laughs) i didn't understand that because you know what matt i know you're a great baker you're way better than i but i understand royal icing and you you just let that stuff sit you don't Mm -hmm. make it i i just wonder if he was kind of in a different place this week (laughs) you know things that he did i think he wasn't just it just was a matter of just not not thinking it totally through and moving on to the next step and being stressed out, I guess. Maybe he didn't have his head in the game. You yeah. Know? I don't know. I've, I've never made royal icing. Oh, it's... You've probably made it a million times, very, haven't you? Yes, I have because I make gingerbread houses, as everybody knows. Uh, us and our three listeners. Your husband and my husband and your sister. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out. Hey, Meredith. Hey, John and Dan. Um but I do make royal icing a yeah. lot because I like to use it for my gingerbread houses. It's it's nothing nothing um, that's difficult. But I did find out that it is called royal icing because of Queen Victoria. She's she put it on her wedding cake, and now it's forever known as royal icing. Hmm. Um, I did not know that. But to me, in my heart of baking hearts, royal icing is for decor. It's never for eating. But obviously, okay. if she put it on her cake. You know, it's just, it's hard. It's hard. That's the beauty of it. It's hard. And man, that stuff is cement, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So yes, I make it all the time. Well, uh, unsurprisingly, Matt came last. He Mm -hmm. came in sixth, but his cake was also raw in the middle and it kind of had sunk down. I think Um, it was obviously raw in the middle. Ian was fifth. Flora was fourth. Tamal was third, which I think he may have been a little bit taken aback by. He had no and, net. <laughs> <laughs> How dare he? No. And uh, Paul was second, which made you kind of think like, well, he'll bring himself back up with that, right? Mm-hmm. And surprisingly, or not, Nadia was first. Mm-hmm. Hey, can I, uh, just for a second, talking about the first challenge and the second challenge, it seemed as though this, whoever edited this episode, left in so much of the, the crosstalk mm. with, with the bakers. Do you remember mm-hmm. in the first challenge where Flora and Paul, she's like trying to get her pie up to temperature, 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 temperature. And he's yelling at, not yelling at her, but like, oh, don't do that. You'll burn right. it. Or, right. you know, there was so much back and forth. And I remember, um, you know, Flora and I think Paul, she's like, I'll freeze. You, you refrigerate. And Nadia looked at Matt and she's like, baking the icing? There was so much crosstalk, <laughs> yes. and I really enjoyed that. I like how they talk to each other because sometimes, every once in a while, they'll show the recipe really quickly. And, mm-hmm. you know, if you pause it, you can see at the bottom where they say, don't talk to the other bakers. Really? Oh, <laughs> oh I've seen not not on this, you know, episode that we're talking about. When, once we get to that one, we'll talk about it. But, like, because of the secret nature of the technical where they're like, make a cake. Well, don't look over at um, Matt and go, hey, how much sugar did you put in? But I feel like in this episode, there was so much crosstalk and I kind of liked it. It made it feel more friendly. It made it feel more like a family, you know, how they support yes. each other. You know, oh, yes. you do this and I'll do that. Or why did you do that? I didn't know you're supposed to. So, 
Yeah, I think that they definitely pick a narrative to tell with editing. And Mm -hmm. sometimes you get little glimpses of things that almost are counter to that for, uh, well, skipping, maybe I shouldn't skip ahead yet, but there you'll see an interaction between two bakers that you've never seen before that would indicate that they actually are, they do have a close relationship Mm -hmm. or, you know, they have gotten to know each other well or something. And yeah, I like, uh, I like that as well. I like more of that. I, I could definitely do with more of that instead of them sort of explaining what they're doing all the time, which so we can learn. Well, yes. Yeah. But yeah, I would agree. There was a lot of crosstalk. Definitely. And can we just for one second, even though they do this on every episode, waving the pan, waving the pan to cool it down, (laughs) take that thing and put it in the refrigerator. I mean, if you have four or five minutes to cool down, why not just take that cake and put it in the refrigerator instead of waving the pan? I feel like that's kind of a stunt. You know yes. what I mean? Like, hey, now it, you're waiting for it to cool down. So why don't you pick up that cookie sheet and wave it at it to cool it down? No, put it in the fridge. What Here in in uh, Indiana, where I live, when I'm trying to get stuff to cool down, I take it in my garage and put it on the, on the uh, cement steps. And it cools down really fast because the yeah. cement is cold, the air is cold. And you can have your thing as soon as possible, you know. So I don't know. The waving of the, the thing is just kind of like it's a British Bake Off-ism, I guess, you know. I think you're absolutely right. I think there's another season later on where there's a contestant's like, oh, we're doing the thing now. We're doing it. We're yes! doing it. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. I have to so, do it because yeah. I'm on this show. I think you're right. And I, I've always wondered exactly what that does do as well, especially when they're saying, oh, it's so hot in the tent. Well, you're just waving the hot air at it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You have a refrigerator. Put mm-hmm, it in. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, well, this showstopper this week, I really got into it for some reason, even though I've never had a Charlotte Russe. But have I, you ever gone to the, the uh, store at the mall called Charlotte Russe? <laughs> did you not know no this is way before bake-off ever started you know my kids are in high school they're both in college now but when they're in high school you know five years ago go to the mall which i hate um but there was a store called charlotte Roos. i didn't yes and it's like i thought it was fancy but it's not i'm sorry charlotte Roos, if you're listening and i think maybe they've gone out of business by now but it's kind of like forever 21 ish mm-hmm. you know teen clothes i bought a maxi skirt there like five years ago and i think oh, wow. i still have it but yeah it's called charlotte Roos, and i did not know it was a dessert and here we are and i didn't know i knew it was a dessert i did not know that it was a forever 21 store it is <laughs> was <laughs> But here, here, full disclosure, here is something I did not know. Okay. So the Bavois. I'm making this Bavois. I'm doing this Bavois. The Bavois. The Bavois. The Bavois. There's, they say the Bavois so many times <clears throat> that I thought, do I know what that is? And so I Googled it and blew, blow me if it's not Bavarian cream. <laughs> That's a Bavois? Yes. Bavarian cream. And now tell me what's in a Bavarian yes. cream, Nelson. I would like to know. It's a type of custard set with cream uh, and gelatin. It needs to be set like a mousse yes. and it should be silky. Okay. So th- I love Bavarian cream. And so that's why I almost made this this week. 
Oh man, that would have been awesome. Almost not quite. It's Can you please uh, spell li- Bavois for me, darling? I believe it's B-A-V-A-R-O-I-S. Oh wow. Bavois. I never would have gotten that, but I'm a bad speller. So I would say that this this does appeal to me, and as I said, it appealed to me so much I almost made it. The sh- the I'm not a fan of lady fingers, though. I just I don't know. I think I've only had store bought, and they were just yeah. kind of yeah. I made but, a tiramisu a few years back and went mm-hmm. to the store to find lady fingers. I thought you know make it easy on myself. Why not? Mm-hmm. And um, I couldn't find them anywhere. Really? Anywhere, so I wound up making them myself, and it's not hard. It's basically just piped sponge, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. No big deal. But I thought when I was watching it, and I saw Matt making his wall of lady fingers, I thought that is a genius idea. Why isn't everybody doing that? Mm-hmm. And then when he wrapped it around, and it left that huge gap, I thought, oh, that's why. I thought Nadia's looked the nicest because she kind of overlapped them even though mm-hmm. they were flat, I thought that was probably the best way to keep in that Bavois cream, but I can't really speak to this because I've never made it and made anything like this before. The intricacies, well, the layers of flavor was what sort of really got me. I don't even know how you would organize this out. You know, Nadia made a raspberry Bavois, a mm-hmm. mango Bavois, a mango jelly, and then she had Italian meringue in her Bavois. I, the my favorite actually was Flora's because I thought it looked so so pretty. She made champagne truffles, mm-hmm. and she had a pink sponge that was raspberry and champagne and pomegranate. Unfortunately, they said that was her undoing was the pomegranate. And Mary even said, you're never going to bake with pomegranate again, are you? And she's like, no, I know she was very scolding about it. (laughs) Yes. She's like, I don't think you will. I I agree. But she's like, I don't think you'll do it. Will you? And it was not really, it wasn't really a question though. (laughs) It's rhetorical. Please don't talk Flora. Yes. But I did think it was beautiful. Um, Matt made a strawberry, strawberry jello. Sorry, not jello, strawberry jelly. Jelly jelly and the bavois with strawberry. Also decorated with strawberries. I thought it looked pretty good. I thought they were so hard on him about the split, like as if that just was the worst offense in the world. Yeah. Yeah. I, like I said, I thought it was innovative, but um, not according to those guys. Mm hmm. Um, tamal, also super intricate, raspberry ginger jelly, cardamom rose water, another jelly of blackberry and apple, macaron for the decorations. Yep. And macaron for me would be a challenge for a whole day, and he's just doing it as a decoration. Bizarre. But I wanted to ask you about cardamom. I feel like we've talked about it before. Have you made things with cardamom? Do you like cardamom? I have not made things with cardamom. I have had it in my basket many times and on Amazon and then put it back for some reason because it interests me. And mm-hmm. I'm Scandinavian and that's a flavor for sure that's used in a lot of cookies and things uh-huh. like that. Um, I have a jar you? of it and I made some uh, twisty cinnamon rolls um, 
over COVID, of course, when I was using my 125 pounds of flour <laughs> and it called for cardamom in it. We could not find it anywhere. And I think we finally found it at Meyer or something. And now I have a whole jar of it and I'm not really sure what to do with it. I made one batch of cardamom poppy seed cookies. They're gorgeous and kind of good, but not really something that it was the poppy seed that sort of took over. But every once in a while, like I made cinnamon rolls for, um, for Christmas morning, I added just a pinch of cardamom. And I think it upped the flavor a little bit. So do you have ground cardamom or do you have the seed pods? I have the ground. I'm not very, I know that it, that's the better way to do things. You like grind your own spices and leave them fresh. I am a powdered gal. I'm sorry to say, mm-hmm. I think that's very American of us. You know, I would never have the forethought to be like, I need a vanilla pod for this. I just have, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just, we're so American. Even nutmeg, you don't use a whole nutmeg? I used to have some nutmeg nuts floating around here and there. And I even have my little plain, you know, thing. And no, I just go to Aldi and buy it. I'm sorry. Thank you, Aldi, for having your seasonal spices of ginger and nutmeg and allspice and cinnamon. I have a jar of nutmeg nuts or Mm -hmm. whatever. And um, isn't the outside of the nut a different flavor mary even references it uh oh, really like nuts yeah skin? <laughs> nut skin <laughs> sorry that was very juvenile lisa ew ew lisa Ooh, ew. <laughs> yeah. um i'll put that in our show notes and investigate that for next okay. week but i i have a lot of nutmeg and i just think i went to the bulk store once and saw it and it's dirt cheap to get a bunch of nuts and I just keep it in a jar with a little teeny tiny grater. And I, mm-hmm. I like, yeah, I love having the nuts. I'll bet it makes uh, a difference. Yeah. I, I think it's, I don't know. It's kind of fun. It feels a little more connected or hands-on or uh, maybe I just feel self-important. Using there you it. Go. Hey, you know what? Pat yourself on the back. We're in a global pan- pandemic. Just do whatever makes you feel good about yourself. I'm telling you right now. Well, I do need to mention my dear Ian's, his Charlotte Russe, because he made himself a little lady finger chopper. He did. And brought it. And I wonder if he initiated some of this. There are, well, there's other bakers that bring homemade type items to do things uniformly. Was but, it Nancy? Um, yeah. In, who had like a muffin top chopper? Or something that her husband, a guillotine, some kind. She called it a guillotine. I can't remember exactly what yeah. it was. She had several contraptions. and Like if you have a handy husband or people make their own cookie cutters, you know. Yeah, that I don't have any idea how they would ever find time to do that in a week. Unless it's all done prepped before. But um, right. Ian made a rhubarb compote, a compote jelly with ginger flavored and homegrown lemon verbena and I looked up lemon verbena because I grow lemon balm Mm -hmm. and I wondered if they were similar uh lemon balm is an herb a perennial herb and it's just nice to add little touches of lemon too but it looks like lemon verbena is the same way but lemon verbena just in case you were ever asking yourself is a woody shrub okay and I I think I have seen lemon balm you when you use that in cooking you use it in cooking you just chop it up? 
Well, I think you can use it in teas and things. Anytime you would use like a fresh, um, I suppose maybe dried would be better, honestly. I don't know. Or you could make a syrup. Oh, right. there you go. You'd make like a simple syrup. Like out I've of the fresh used, um, I've grown stevia before and then made a stevia syrup to use in like margaritas. <laughs> yum, yum. Yeah. You could probably add the lemon balm right to the stevia leaves. Yeah. And make a, hmm. a lemon stevia syrup or whatever. Oh, now I want summer to come. I know. I'm going to have too. all that beautiful freshness. And Ian topped his ruse with a crown. Mm-hmm. And they said, <laughs> purely magical. That's what I wrote down. Purely magical. You know, Paul has his handshake, but I'm telling you, when Mary comes up with the things that she says, I just, I feel like that means just as much. Her little winks and all the things, you know, scrummy and purely magical. I just love that. I love hearing her take part in all these things. I think she is more... She's kinder, obviously, than Paul, but she doesn't hand out tons of flourishing adjectives all the time. So when she does, you know that she means it. And I I do agree. I think her saying that it was magical is, they also said spectacular. So yeah, I think that had a lot of meaning as well. Mm -hmm. I thought it, I thought it did look good. I don't know. The, he must have used the lady finger batter, right? To To make make the the crown. crown. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It looked a little funny to me, but. Whatever is it? It was just like being a little bit extra, right? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But it was great. He did a great job. And then we had to say goodbye to. Yeah, Matt. He knew. Matt. Yeah, he knew. They really kept everybody in suspense. And he's sitting there going, just say it. I know it's me. I know. know. (laughs) Yep. Yeah. (laughs) When I first started watching this, however many years ago, I got Ian and Matt mixed up all the time. Mm -hmm. Because they just both kind of, I mean, they are very distinct in the way that they look, obviously. But when you just see glimpses of the sides of their face, they're the same color, you know, and they're about the same age-ish. So. Super tall and lanky. Yeah. Yes, yes. But I, I enjoyed Matt throughout all the episodes that he was in. I thought he did a fantastic job. I did too. And if you watch it more than once, like we have, he does some little zingers. He's got a sense of humor. And sometimes it's not completely picked up on. He has a few little sarcastic or more um, zesty comments that are fun and Gotta funny. Love yeah, even like when he talks about Mary double punching him in the stomach like, <laughs> <laughs> when he got Starbaker. <laughs> oh, that's sweet. That was cute, yeah. But this week's Starbaker was Tamal. Yes, he deserved it. He did. I just like Tamal. I feel like he really tries so hard. And I don't know, he just is so self-deprecating all the time and mm-hmm. I want to be star baker I jinxed it I jinxed it you know that kind <laughs> of stuff it's, I just I think it's just so relatable you know mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so I'm glad that he got it I am so glad he got it too and it was well deserved all three of his you know he came third in the technical and his other two bakes were just so good mm-hmm. so good yeah slow and steady mm-hmm mm-hmm Well, Lisa, I think that's us. We're done. And dusted. Thank you for listening to the Soggy Bottom Girls podcast. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Soggy Bottom Girls or connect with us at SoggyBottomGirls.com. And may all your bakes be worthy of a Hollywood handshake.